All right, now, natural history of type 2 diabetes. A person is at risk. So, things that make a person at risk. Choosing the wrong family. Now, it doesn't have to be parents now. It could be just the wrong family. Plus age. More likely to happen as a person gets older. Although, with effort, you can overcome age and get it at a younger age. Obesity. This one is huge. Um, a person who's... A person... <laughs> <laughs> Hugely important. How's that? <laughs> a person who is huge at age 15 can still get diabetes if they chose the right family and have a sedentary lifestyle. Increased, increased waist-to-hip increased waist ratio. Waist-to-hip ratio. So the difference between here and here. Waist is defined as at the belly button, and then hips are defined as at the iliac crest. So a woman should always have a smaller waist than hips in order to not be at risk for this. Gestational diabetes and then polycystic ovary disease. So we have a person who is at risk because of these things. Some of them or all of them leads to insulin resistance. Insulin resistance results in hyperinsulinemia. Glucose levels remain the same because even though you've got resistance, you've got increased insulin. Eventually, the pancreas begins to fail and say, screw it, forget it, I've had enough. You've squeezed me for too long. Then blood glucose levels begin to rise. Now, What does that mean? It's funny because one year, you know, this was up here, and then you know, I said, okay, a patient has the disease process long before chronic or long before clinical diabetes diagnosis, and someone goes, what does foot stomp mean? So like in class, I'd gone, now you need to know that, and they they're like, whatever. So, foot stomp means important. Okay. And if I do it, that means important. So, patient has the disease process long before the diagnosis. How long before at least? At least five years. Could be longer, but at least five years. All right. Presentation. Type 1 diabetics, how do we usually diagnose them? Ketoacidosis. Type 2, usually not. Usually, it's a very gradual, subtle onset. So, we want to look for people with risk factors. We want to look for people who have complications. Peripheral arterial disease, MI and stroke, endothelial dysfunction. We have a way to test for this, but we'll talk about it another time. What is endothelium, by the way? That's the epithelial... <laughs> inner layer of not GI arteries so it's the inner layer of an artery and impotence then hypercoagulopathies a lot of times pe uh, patients who have type 2 diabetes will begin to have um, blood clotting disorders later on you could have the three polys blurred vision neuropathy nephropathy and retinopathy what? Beep. 
Okay, oh, by the way, will a person in the preclinical phase have these things here? Ne neuropathy, nephropathy, and retinopathy. Why not? Well, not only does it happen over time, but it also requires what kind of blood sugar? High. So during this time, blood sugar is normal. These aren't developing. What is developing are these up here. By the way, what's the number one predictor for having, ha for having a heart attack? Yeah. Who is most likely to have a heart attack? A person who's already had one. Guess the second most likely. <laughs> a person who hasn't had one who has diabetes. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you'll need to know that more for the for the, when we do CAD. Yeah. It, it is very important, but not necessarily for this test. Type two. Yeah. Type one. Type one is not insulin resistance. It's the insulin resistance mechanism that causes it. They can still have macrovascular, but it's not as much. But nothing says a person can't have type one and type two diabetes at the same time. All right. Treatment of type two diabetes. Treatment of type two. Number one thing, eat less. Number one thing, eat less. Even if you don't lose weight, eating less will improve the blood sugar. Weight loss has a big, huge, large impact on blood sugars. Exercise has a tremendous impact on blood sugar. Increasing fiber in the diet will slow the absorption of sugars, thereby reducing the glycemic effect, which I'm sure you've heard about. If you had Professor Kirkwood for... And then the last one is drugs. All right, so first, type 2 diabetes. What's the first thing we need to do? Eat less. Then? 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 And then drugs. Now, the goal is to not need insulin eventually. Eventually, the pancreas will fail completely and the patient will need insulin. The longer we can keep them from that, the better their chances of not dying. Or not dying sooner. The other thing is sometimes patients will go, yeah, I, I take my drugs. Why do I have to do this other stuff? Yeah. Have, how many of you have ever driven your car with the emergency brake on? Okay. It's not good, is it? Well, when you take drugs, when you take drugs, but you're not doing these lifestyle changes, guess what you're doing? You're driving with the brake on. The, the drugs are driving and the brake is doing the bad things. 
So. What happens is very rapid weight loss. But the problem is it's usually not permanent. Most people who undergo um, gastric bypass surgery regain their weight eventually. You know, it's the same thing like if you win the lottery, chances, chances if, you know, if you were in debt before you won the lottery, chances are you will burn through that money and go into debt again. So you have to, ha you have to feel the pain of getting there in order for it to be permanent for most people. All right, pharmacotherapeutic strategies. Now, these are important because everything that we talk about from now on is going to fall into one of these things. So the first one is we can stimulate the pancreas to secrete more insulin. Think of it as wringing more insulin out of a sponge. We're going to squeeze the pancreas and you're going to get more insulin out of it. Drugs that do that are sometimes called secretagogues because they induce the pancreas to secrete more insulin. We can also give what? It's on a later slide somewhere. Don't worry about it. We can also give exogenous insulin. No. Um, yeah, okay, we'll talk more about that later. We can also increase ins insulin sensitivity. We can also suppress liver gluconeogenesis and like, like glycogenolysis. So basically suppress the effects of glucagon. We can also delay the absorption of carbohydrates. We can do that by eating less of them or we can do it by giving drugs that prevent their absorption. What do you think the side effect of that would be? Gas. All right. Now, the very first drugs that we had were secretagogues. So the traditional approach to treating diabetes is start with a secretagogue. And then as we discovered newer things, we added newer things in. What's the problem with that approach? Why might it not be? Okay, that is a good explanation. What's the disease process of type 2 diabetes? What? Well, insulin resistance. And what's the, res what's the body's natural response to insulin resistance? Produce more insulin. Now, what does the secretagogue do to that disease process? It makes it go faster. Is that a good thing? No. What we want to do is stop that disease process, which is what you guys were saying in the back there. Yeah, you were saying that. So... So the problem with secretagogues is that they don't stop the disease process. They make the disease process go faster, which isn't necessarily a good thing. So 
what we've decided now is that maybe we should try and start with this or this and then move to these, move to the screedagogues once, the, once these don't work anymore or as well. And actually, um, which is what this says. Now, you don't know what these words mean yet, but you will eventually. And when everything else fails, use insulin. All right, gestational diabetes, we just have to talk about it very, very briefly. Um, any diabetes that we get during pregnancy is considered gestational. It's pretty much the exact same as type 2, except that if it resolves after, after pregnancy is over, it's called gestational. If it doesn't, then it's diabetes type 2. Regardless of whether it resolves or doesn't, well, okay, if it resolves, that patient is then more likely to develop type 2 diabetes later on in life. Okay, all right, all of the other diseases that are diabetes type diseases, you want to eliminate any secondary cause. What did we say a major secondary cause was yesterday? Of diabetes. Of diabetes. How can we give a person diabetes? Sagan? Corticosteroids. So remove secondary causes. The no, probably the number one cause is corticosteroids. If absolute absence of insulin, treat it like diabetes 1. If insulin is still being produced, treat it like diabetes 2. And gestational, here's a special thing that you'll need to know for later when you become a maternity nurse or go through that class. Um, the unborn child has to be taken into consideration. Insulin in an unborn child acts just like growth hormone. So when you hear about these 12 and 13 pound babies, you can be sure that that's most likely, like 99% of the time, a diabetic mother. Now, in the old days, guess what we tried to do with those kids? Push them out. Nowadays, we just cesarean them. All right, complications. What's most likely to kill you as a diabetic patient? Heart attack and stroke. Um, most likely to make your life living hell. PAD causes poor wound healing and claudication. Neuropathy, we'll see the next slide. Retinopathy, blindness and can't drive anymore. The great American dream, to have your own car. Nephropathy leads to proteinuria, which leads to chronic renal failure, which leads to dialysis. And impotence, well, Viagra is not the number one prescription drug in the country for no reason. All right, now, neuropathy. We've got to talk about neuropathy in a little bit more detail. If it's autonomic, it can lead to things like gastroparesis. Gastroparesis leads to heartburn and constipation. What are old people obsessed with? <laughs> Their bowels. <laughs> Makes it worse. Makes it happen at age 45 or 50 instead of at age 65 or 70. Urinary, urinary retention, which leads to UTIs. If it's peripheral, meaning arms and legs, can lead to ulcers and amputations because they don't feel pain. I've told you all about the story of the patient I had who had the nail in his foot, right? Couldn't feel the pain. 
can also lead to something called Charcot joints. I'm not going to define this. You're going to look it up on your own. There will be a question about Charcot joints. No. And then neuralgia is nerve pain. So paresthesias and numbness. What's numbness? Well, what is numbness though? When you don't feel something, you should. And then typically paresthesias are when you feel something you shouldn't. And that something is usually painful. So sometimes patients with diabetic neuropathy will have like this intense pain where like if you just lightly touch their arm, they like scream in agony because it overstimulates them and it hurts. So sometimes you know, they'll have like a protective sleeve over their arm or leg because they can't be touched. All right. What's that? I have no idea. All right. This, this diagram is the pathophysiology of diabetes. Now... Beta cells are supposed to produce insulin, but if they don't, that causes diabetes. Now, insulin is supposed to go to cells that require insulin. In turn, the insulin, uh, the insulin um, sensitivity is going to be caused by the number of receptors, the receptor affinity, and the transport mechanisms. If any of these three things are screwed up, guess what happens? Diabetes. Now, alpha cells produce glucagon. If glucagon is being produced inappropriately, guess what happens? Diabetes is worse. Now, glucagon tells you to become hungry. When a person overeats, guess what happens? Diabetes is worse or more likely to get it in the first place. Um, now, here's something we haven't talked about yet. The intestines, when you eat and they start to absorb food, secrete a hormone. Remember yesterday's uh, quiz? What was the last question? What was the bonus question? Two or list two organs that aren't considered endocrine, but that produce hormones. Well, here's another possible right answer for you. The intestines produce a hormone called incretin. Incretin then goes and tells beta cells to start producing insulin. If they don't, it also suppresses hunger too, by the way. So it decreases hunger and slows absorption. If this doesn't happen properly, diabetes gets worse. And there's a missing line on here. Beta cells secrete something that tells alpha cells to chill out with the glucagon. What is that something? amylin. So if you don't have enough amylin, that can also make diabetes worse. So that's what this slide is trying to explain to you. No. I mean, red is things that make it worse. By the way, we now have drugs that are artificial in cretin. So guess what you're going to have to do? You have to learn those two now. All right. 
He's almost done. Four minutes. Three minutes. Two slides. Yeah. All right. Traditional oral medications. Insulin. Well, insulin is not oral. So, traditional medication. Scratch out the oral. Traditional meds. Insulins. We use them for type 1 and for type 2 diabetes who have progressed more towards the end. Secretagogues. There are two classes, sulfonylureas and metaglinides. You're gonna, you should start memorizing these words because next week we're going to learn the drugs that go in them. Metformin. Okay, well, metformin is a drug. It's not a class because there's only one drug that we use in the United States. TZDs, also called glitazones, because they end in glitazone. These, we'll talk a lot about them tomorrow. And then glucosidase inhibitors. Glucosidase, alpha-glucosidase, is the enzyme that's responsible for breaking sucrose down into glucose and fructose. So if a person eats sugar and we inhibit that enzyme, what does it do to the sugar? Can your body absorb sucrose? No, it has to break it down first. If it can't break it down, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to be absorbed as quickly. It'll eventually be absorbed, but it'll take a lot longer. So it slows down the glycemic effect. Did, did Professor Kirkwood ever sketch the glycemic effect for you? All right. You got to actually talk about it and draw it. It doesn't matter if you don't draw it. Now, if you eat a very high glycemic meal, your, here's like your baseline blood sugar. You start here, you get a spike, it comes back down, and then it comes back up to normal. If you eat something that is slower, takes longer to get there. So, like whole wheat. <laughs> or carrots. So, the idea in giving alpha-glucosidase is to shift from this upper spike to this lower spike here. Glucosidase inhibitors. 